Can He Do That is sponsored by Zeal. Want to know the only thing better than getting a massage? Getting a massage in the comfort of your own home. Introducing Zeal. I get an email from my editor, and it just said, meeting on Cohen in five minutes. Just seeing that, I was like, meeting on Cohen? That must be big. And I Google Michael Cohen, and I see they've raided his home. And I just thought, oh, my gosh, a Cohen raid. Like, it doesn't get much bigger than that. I'm Martine Powers, and this is Can He Do That, a podcast about the powers and limitations of the American presidency. This week, we've got a special episode about special counsel Robert Mueller's investigation into the Trump campaign. The FBI raid that happened earlier this week at the home and office of Michael Cohen, that sparked all kinds of downstream effects. There are implications for Bob Mueller himself, for the investigation into Russian interference in the 2016 election, and for the future of Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein. And we've got a ton of questions. Will Trump seek to fire Rod Rosenstein for granting this warrant to allow the raid on Michael Cohen's house? And if Trump does fire Rod Rosenstein, what would that do to the Russian investigation? What would that do to Bob Mueller? And if Trump tried to shut down the investigation or fire Bob Mueller, is Congress going to do anything about it? And seriously, how could this all relate back to Stormy Daniels? There are a lot of things to unpack here. But we're going to start by backing up to Monday and to what happened to a longtime Trump lawyer named Michael Cohen. Here to explain all of this for us is Matt Zapotosky, national security reporter for The Post and one of our resident experts on the Mueller investigation. So, Monday morning, what happened? So, Monday morning, the FBI in New York raids the offices of Michael Cohen, who is Trump's personal lawyer. He sort of affectionately calls himself Trump's fixer. Uh, They raid his hotel room, his office, his home, and it's just a sort of hugely shocking development. I mean, there's few people in the world who are closer to Trump than Michael Cohen. And here the FBI is um, sort of showing up at his doorstep and and taking all his files. So you say like taking his files, like what, I mean, what, what did they actually take? I mean, they're, what are they looking for too? So what they're looking for is evidence of crimes. Uh, the crimes that we know that they're looking at are bank fraud, wire fraud, potential campaign finance violations. So they're, they're looking for any evidence that would get at that, and that would encompass his communications with other people, including President Trump. So that would be, you know, they would take like electronic equipment to try to get emails. They would take printed out files, that kind of thing. Um, and, you know, what they're looking for is, is evidence of a crime, those crimes in particular. This raid was conducted or sort of supervised by the Southern District of New York, the U.S. Attorney's Office in the Southern District of New York, who... Well, that was going to be one of my first questions because I was really surprised to see that. I thought this was sort of about the Mueller investigation and that it would be his team that did this. But then these folks in New York are the ones who are carrying it out. Yeah. So Mueller is not... This is maybe a misconception about Mueller. He's not like the everything Trump prosecutor. He was appointed by Rod Rosenstein, the deputy attorney general, for a specific job. And that specific job was to determine whether the Trump campaign coordinated with Russia to influence the 2016 election. Now, his mandate was a little broader than that. Any matters that arose out of that investigation, he was allowed to go down 
that path. But if he did that, he would need Rod Rosenstein's approval to sort of widen his scope. Apparently, in this case, Rod Rosenstein felt like that was outside of the scope. Most of what we know of this, frankly, comes from Michael Cohen's attorney, so the intelligence isn't perfect. But by his telling, Rod Rosenstein or Robert Mueller refer this up to the Southern District of New York. Like, hey, this is interesting. There are maybe potential crimes here, but this isn't our bag. You know, we're interested in Russia and collusion. And this has to do with payoffs to porn stars and potential bank fraud having nothing to do with Russia. So Southern District of New York, why don't you guys take this? So the idea here is that potentially Michael Cohen could have done something illegal like bank fraud in the process of paying off Stormy Daniels and that once Robert Mueller kind of got a whiff of that, he referred it over to New York investigators and they decided that it was such a a potentially big deal that they needed to raid his office without giving him a heads up in advance. Yeah, we think that's the timeline. We don't have a perfect window into it because a lot of what we know comes from Michael Cohen's attorney. But we do know that the the search warrant was seeking evidence related to Cohen's involvement in payments to women. Stormy Daniels is maybe the most famous of those. He uh, arranges a payment to her on the eve of on the eve of the presidential election. That potentially could be a problem because it violates campaign finance law. If Cohen is sort of making a contribution to the campaign. B- paying off Stormy Daniels and not reporting it, that could be a violation of campaign finance law. He also could have sort of committed other crimes in the process of that. So he he took the money from this, uh, took the money to pay Stormy Daniels from a home equity line of credit. And it, it's pretty loose as to what you can do with your home equity lines of credit. But, you know, you can't lie to the bank. So maybe he lied to the bank in some respect in doing this. And, and that's what they're looking at seeing. They were also looking at a broader pattern of this kind of in the Trump world. We know they seized um, or they were looking to seize files related to payments to another woman named Karen McDougal. And we also know they were interested in the uh, in the Access Hollywood tape where Trump made these sort of very vulgar comments. Our intelligence on that is a little more murky. We don't know exactly why they were interested in that, except that they're looking at this broader pattern of like paying hush money to people and whether there might be crime centered around that. So that kind of brings me to the other sort of pretty obvious question that I have. I was sort of surprised that this could happen just because I thought that Michael Cohen would be covered by some sort of attorney-client privilege, right? Like if he's Trump's lawyer, then aren't his communications with Trump, you know, protected under law? Yeah, normally that is the case, you know, and you can see why. If you, let's say you commit a crime, you hire an attorney and you would tell your attorney all about what you did in hopes that that would help them defend you. If the FBI could just come kick in the attorney's door, well, they would know everything and that would sort of be contradictory to the American justice system. It's sort of one of our bedrock principles that what you tell your attorney is supposed to be private. But that isn't sort of ironclad and forever. And there's a good reason why it isn't. If you and your attorney conspire to commit a crime together, you know, so you and your attorney conspire to um, defraud a bank, uh, you can't just sort of hide behind the protection. Well, this is my attorney. You can't, FBI, you can't touch anything that we talk about because of attorney-client privilege. There's something called the crime fraud exception that lets the FBI get at this stuff. Now, 
there are lots of restrictions or sort of safeguards so that the FBI can't trample on the, the, the right of people to enjoy attorney-client privilege. One safeguard is how you're supposed to sort of go after attorneys' files. This is a pretty rare case. They use a search warrant. They just sort of showed up and took stuff. Yeah, because I thought that usually when you're getting stuff from lawyers' offices, you subpoena and you kind of request it and they, you know, decide that they're going to give you back the files that they have. Yeah, that's absolutely right. Usually you use a subpoena. In fact, Justice Department policies call for you in most cases to use a subpoena when it involves a lawyer's office. The idea is like, look, a lawyer can turn over what's relevant. You trust lawyers to do that and then hold back what's not. But if you have reason to believe the the attorney served with a subpoena will just start shredding files, then you, you have to go to a search warrant route. And you would expect in a case like this one, it's not just a lawyer, but the president's lawyer. Um, this was looked at at sort of the highest levels of the Justice Department. We know it was. It was reviewed by Rod Rosenstein. So these FBI agents show up at the door of Michael Cohen's house in his office, and then eventually that word gets out about that. And what was the president's reaction to seeing this happening to to this guy who's been not only his longtime lawyer, but seems a pretty close friend? His reaction was negative. In the hours afterward, he raged in public. He just goes on this on this tirade about how this is a witch hunt and Robert Mueller is conflicted. He criticizes Attorney General Jeff Sessions for recusing himself from Mueller's investigation so he can't sort of exert control over it. He rages about Rod Rosenstein, who approved this warrant, who's Jeff Sessions' deputy, who's supervising Mueller. Um, And then he raises similar complaints on Twitter in the next couple days. He says attorney-client privilege is dead because this is his attorney. He doubles down on his claims that this is a witch hunt. He's sort of saying the same things privately. It seems like Rod Rosenstein really gets into the crosshairs on this, probably because he is the person to approve this search. Um, and it's not even directly Mueller, right? It's SDNY, though the president and the White House seems to perceive this as like a Mueller ploy, even if technically SDNY did it. Well, it's Mueller who, who started it. So and now there's this great aura of fear in Washington about who the president is going to fire. Is he going to fire Jeff Sessions over this? Is he going to fire Rod Rosenstein over this? Is he going to try to take steps to Mueller over this? Because his reaction, like I said, he's not happy. Well, it's funny because I remember when we talked a few weeks ago about whether there's any possibility that the president would would try to fire Rob Mueller. And your kind of takeaway was like, yeah, it's possible, but it would be so politically damaging that like it seems like that's something that enough people would tell him this is a bad idea that he wouldn't do it. But he's still talking about it or people are still talking about it. And Sarah Sanders just said, you know, this week – yeah, the president does have the ability to fire Bob Mueller. Like, that's what we've been informed, and and we understand that he is able to do that. And so where, where do you see this now in terms of the likelihood that Bob Mueller could be fired or that Rod Rosenstein or that Jeff Sessions are going to get caught up in this too? I think my thought on that has moved a little bit. Look, no one really knows what's going on in the president's mind with respect to that. I think this is certainly something he wants to do, but whether he will actually do it is truly an open question. The same thoughts I had the last time still apply. It would be hugely politically damaging for him to fire Mueller. He potentially would risk 
turning the Republican House and Senate against him. I mean, there have been Republican senators come out and said this would be suicide for him to do this, political suicide for him to do this. And, you know, particularly now, if he does it in the wake of a raid of his personal lawyer's office, I think the public would kind of perceive that as he knows there's something bad in there and he's trying to shut this down. And that would be worse than sort of doing it in a calm time or doing it with some real pretext, like Mueller had screwed up in some way and he says, well, now I have to fire him. I mean, this would be like a totally naked move. So I still think it would be political suicide. But he does seem to be flirting with it and maybe more likely than him firing Robert Mueller directly is he just sort of lashes out and takes out other Justice Department leaders. I mean, the talk we're hearing today, though this changes by the minute, is that Rod Rosenstein might be at the top of the list to get fired. There are just a lot of possibilities. He's angry, and he's angry in a way that I don't think we have seen before, but I still don't think I know what exactly he's going to do about that. Firing Rod Rosenstein or firing Jeff Sessions, would either of those be quite as politically damaging as fire bo- firing Bob Mueller? I think they would be less so, but look, I think in both cases you could see it could be interpreted as him trying to exert control over Bob Mueller. And let's say he fires Jeff Sessions. Then Rod Rosenstein would be still in charge of the Mueller probe. So in some ways that gets him nothing. But Trump could appoint a new acting attorney general. And then that person would kind of supersede Rod Rosenstein. Rod Rosenstein is only overseeing Mueller because Jeff Sessions is recused from it. If somebody comes in over top of him and is not recused from it, well, Rod Rosenstein is out of the picture. Now, let's say he fires Rod Rosenstein and he leaves Sessions in place. If Trump fires Rosenstein, he's a little bit limited. He can't just sort of appoint a new acting deputy attorney general who would then be overseeing the Mueller probe. We don't think because uh, that person couldn't act as the deputy attorney general and act as the attorney general. But there is a world where where some legal experts have speculated to us, well, maybe he could just appoint an attorney general for the Russia investigation. He's a president. He has a lot of power. Um, and then, of course, he could just ask Rosenstein to fire Mueller. I don't think he would, but that would spark, you know. All you don't think of, that he would ask Rosenstein or you don't think I don't Rosenstein, think Rosenstein would, Rosenstein would do it. Yeah. That's the doomsday scenario, right? He asks Rosenstein, I need you to fire Robert Mueller. Rosenstein says, I can't do that. I don't have cause. Trump says, OK, you're fired. Next up, Noel Francisco, I need you to fire Robert Mueller. Noel Francisco says, I can't do that. I need cause. OK, you're fired. Next up, Stephen Engel. Next up, John Demers. I don't actually even know off the top of my head who's next up, but it could essentially be a bloodletting at the Justice Department if he wanted to go that route. That seems like a very complex and roundabout way of getting to the goal that it seems that he wants is just to, you know, shut down the Russia investigation, to shut down Mueller. Why can't he just do that? I mean, look, even though Trump is the president and he has all sorts of power, he sort of is the commander in chief of the executive branch. We have strong bureaucracies and institutions in the U.S. And I think if he takes a step like trying to fire Robert Mueller, whatever practical mechanism he chooses, the bureaucracy is going to going to fight back against that. It seems like in the past few weeks, 
a lot of people around the president have been saying, you know, it's a bad idea to consider, you know, taking these steps just because it, it would be so politically damaging, as you said. But then we're reading that Steve Bannon has sort of come back in the picture and is giving him opposite advice. Like, what, what's the president hearing from him? Yeah, well, this is really interesting. So there are a lot of conservative Republicans, Steve Bannon probably foremost among them, who do want to see some change at the Justice Department. And it's not just Bannon. You know, if you watched Fox News last night, there was um, uh, some Republicans on there talking about how, you know, the Justice Department is out of control. This this raid, it's not like it's only upset Trump and everyone else is nodding along and saying, OK, this is fine. There is a group of people who feel like this is unfair and this should not have happened. They should not have raided the president's lawyer's offices. That's a bridge too far. Because what they're looking for in that raid is pretty disparate from the, the you know, investigation into collusion with Russia. Yeah, exactly. And, and also some Republicans are raising the argument that, look, attorney-client privilege should be a little more ironclad than this. They should have thought about this a little more carefully before they did that. So, you know, there's a group of people, I don't know if they're talking to Trump directly, but if they're talking on Fox News, they effectively are, you know, getting to the president and saying, hey, you should do something about this. Steve Bannon talked um, to one of our reporters on the record and floated this plan where, uh, the president would fire Rod Rosenstein. That would be sort of step one and some sort of plan to kind of re-exert control over the special counsel. He wants Trump to kind of put his hands around Mueller and get him in line. And I think there are other Republicans um, who, who, who could have the president's ear who think the same thing. Can He Do That is sponsored by Zeal. Want to know the only thing better than getting a massage? Getting a massage in the comfort of your own home. Introducing Zeal. Bring the spa to you and try Zeal today. Right now, go to zeal.com and enter promo code Can He Do That to get $20 off your first in home massage. That's code Can He Do That. You've outlined the possibility that Congress could step in to protect Mueller, to protect his investigation by passing some type of legislation that would basically say that, you know, he cannot be fired or that there, you know, XYZ would have to happen. Um, for him to be fired. Has there been any movement on that in terms of Congress seeming like they might do something like that or saying, um, you know, more vociferously that that they're not going to do that? The needle seems to have moved a little more from the last time we talked. I still don't think it's going to happen. There seems to be enough debate about what exactly they're going to do to protect Mueller that seems to be holding it up. But there is some movement, even among congressional Republicans, that that they should pass some legislation to protect Mueller. Democrats, of course, want to go a lot farther in that legislation than Republicans do. And that's part of the holdup. And not all Republicans are on board with this. I mean, particularly in the House, there's a group called the Freedom Caucus that is upset at the Justice Department for semi-related reasons. They're in a dispute over documents they want turned over. And they wouldn't so much mind changeover in Justice Department leadership, even if it affected Mueller. So I don't think we're quite at the point where there's just unanimous uh, unanimous agreement in Congress that they should pass legislation to protect Mueller. But it does seem the, the recent events have kind of moved the needle a little bit towards them doing something like that. They're talking about it. So what happens next? Uh, great question. The short answer is I don't know. 
I think what happens next from a reporting perspective is that we watch very closely uh, to see what the president does with respect to leaders at the Justice Department, you know, try to see what he's thinking, who he's asking about this, what he's asking them, how serious you – know, I guess not how serious, but how likely is his rage, which we know is real, how likely is that to turn into action? Um, I think there's a world where the investigation just proceeds apace. You know, Cohen, I think, has some very deep exposure. I don't think the Justice Department raids the op- his offices, the offices of the president's lawyer, unless they really think they have the goods on him. So that's something to watch for next. Will Cohen be charged? Will the Justice Department try to negotiate a plea deal with Cohen to get him to tell them other things? Do prosecutors sort of want to talk to him more about Russia issues now that they have him on the hook for bank fraud issues? And is Trump worried about that? I mean, this guy knows almost everything there is to know, you would think, about Trump world and dirt in Trump world. So if prosecutors can get him on side, that's something That's something big that I think we're watching for as far as what happens next. Do we have a sense of how likely Cohen would be to make a plea deal like that or to to cooperate with law enforcement? That's a tough one. I mean, for for decades, he's been very, very close to President Trump. I mean, you know, I think we use the term fixer as a bad thing, like he's helping, you know, fix Trump's problems. But he seems to sort of uh, revel in that role. He is proud of having done that. So you would think, you know, a person like that would be never-endingly loyal to the president and wouldn't flip. But, you know, when people's freedom is on the line, that might change their mind. He also might be thinking about a potential pardon, you know, as a, as a reward for his loyalty. President Trump unquestionably has the authority to do that. I don't think we have a good sense of what he might do now that he's in the hot seat, but he has been very loyal to Trump for many, many years. Well, it also seems like this is happening This is all unfolding well. There's other stuff that's happening that is also increasing pressure on Trump, at least tangentially. Yeah. So uh, I think one of the things here is this is just a hot time generally. I mean, Jim Comey, the former FBI director, is set to release a book that is said to be very damaging to Trump. Um, He's set to start a media blitz. And sort of right before that's about to begin, we learn the news that Dana Bente has been interviewed by Bob Mueller's team and turned over notes. Uh, Dana Bente is a figure who's sort of served every role that there is in the Justice Department. He was the U.S. attorney in Alexandria. He was briefly the acting attorney general when President Trump fired Sally Yates after she refused to defend the travel ban. So news breaks this week that Dana Bente has been interviewed and turned over notes to Robert Mueller's team. It's not directly related to anything Cohen, uh, but it is related to Russia. And it's significant because Bente's notes seem to back up Comey's account of his interactions with President Trump. I think that's significant in a couple of respects. One, Comey's just about to go on a book tour. Trump is all set to tear him apart. Um, so are congressional Republicans. And here we have uh, Dana Bente as sort of supportive of Comey's account of President Trump and his interactions. I'm sure everyone remembers Comey claims that President Trump asked him to, you know, asked him if he would shut down the investigation of Michael Flynn. Comey wrote memos about that. He testified publicly about that. And President Trump accused him of being a liar. Well, what Dana Bente has sort of offered is, hey, Comey also told me that in real time 
time, and I took notes. So it's not like he's an eyewitness to President Trump and Jim Comey's conversation, but he is sort of a boost to Jim Comey's account. This also sort of shows, I think, that, look, the obstruction piece of this investigation is still very much ongoing. They're talking to Dana Bente about, you know, Trump and Comey conversations that are at the heart of the obstruction case. And they did that in recent months. It wasn't like this month. It was a couple months ago. But they did that in recent months. So that shows that the obstruction case is is still alive and well. And, you know, maybe it, it connects to everything that's going on with the climate in the Justice Department now because if President Trump does another firing like he did with Comey, does that become a part of the obstruction case? If he fires Rosenstein, is that part of the obstruction case? Thanks for listening to Can He Do That from The Washington Post. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Check out previous episodes at WashingtonPost.com slash podcasts or find us anywhere else that you listen. This week's episode of Can He Do That was produced by Carol Alderman and Ted Muldoon. We have design help from Kat Brudel-Brooks, logo art from Lorraine Boglio, and original music by Ted Muldoon. I'm the host, Martine Powers, filling in for Allison Michaels. Special thanks to Matt Zapotosky for this special episode. <laughs>